You're listening to Blind Entrepreneurship, an interview series podcast that highlights the stories of the top business professionals around the world. In each episode, we explore how entrepreneurs overcame blindness in business in order to execute their vision. is brought to you by Penji. I am your host, Jonathan Grzbowski, and today we have Jess Ma on the show. As founder and CEO of Indonero, Jess loves helping entrepreneurs run better businesses. She has grown the company from zero to multi-million dollar revenues with over 200 employees and has been featured in the Forbes and Inc. 30 under 30 lists. Jess left high school at age 15 to attend Bard College at Simons Rock, studied computer science at UC Berkeley, went through Y Combinator, and is a member of the Young Presidents Organization, or better known as YPO. Her passions and hobbies include mentoring uh, up-and-coming entrepreneurs, encouraging young girls to do STEM, and flying airplanes. And as you listen to this conversation, you'll later find out that she also loves and is an avid DJ, so she loves music. She loves to play house and EDM music. Some of the highlights of this episode uh, for me in particular is that Jess in particular has been somebody um, that has been on my list of people to have on the show for years now. Um, I feel like I I kind of thought of this idea of blind entrepreneurship. Um, It stemmed from people exactly like Jess, very successful individuals that didn't necessarily have it all figured out at a very young age. And as uh, they continue to grow, they learn and all the learning and experiences that were, I guess, given to her is then shared through a beautiful story. And I'd like to say that Jess and her company, Indonero, is like the OG of the startup movement. In the, in the early days of tech, you would always hear about Indonero, you would, or at least I would, hear about their race, their growth, and the trailblazer behind all that is, is actually Jess. So um, she's been on the cover of Inc. Magazine, and spearheaded the the under 30 movement. Jess is an incredibly self-aware, as you'll later find out in this conversation. She understands herself um, better than anybody else. She knows her limits. She understands her principles and her value and her purpose. Um, and on the show, you will hear a lot about her core principles, about and, and those core principles that she writes down every single day in the morning before work. The conversation overall is really rare, uh, really real and really raw, excuse me. And I, and I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. This was a, uh, an amazing conversation. So let's get right to it. Today's episode is sponsored by Penji. Are you in charge of marketing for your business and need graphic design support? Let Penji design anything you need for your business, from a logo to your marketing materials, sales sheets, social media content, and so much more. Penji helps you achieve more with unlimited graphic design support, daily output, and a dedicated project manager, all at one flat monthly rate. We have an exclusive offer to the Blind Entrepreneur community. Head over to penji.co and use the coupon code BLIND for 15% off your first month. Again, that's penji.co, P-E-N-J-I dot C-O, and use the coupon code BLIND for 15% off your first month of Penji. And now... Let's get to today's episode. Jess, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. It is, and this is just a personal story here that I have to go into. I've wanted to have you on the show for probably over two and a half years now from the beginning of when I started this podcast. And the reason why I wanted you on the show is because when when I first started um, my 
first business about like seven or so years ago, I would always see articles written about you and about how you're the pi- a pioneer uh, when it comes to entrepreneurship and startups. So it is an absolute honor to have you on the show today. Oh, thank you. That makes me feel so happy to hear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're an OG badass when it comes to the startup world. So uh, <laughs> I'm excited to be able to, um, to pick your brain today. But before we get into that, uh, just doing some, some research, you're a pretty avid uh, flyer from, from what I've uh, been reading. And is it true that if you weren't in tech, you'd be an air traffic controller? <laughs> that that's maybe my answer like many years ago but now i mean so i fly planes for fun i uh, got my commercial license um so i i'd either do that or uh, i also dj on weekends so i got like i'm playing at a nightclub and at a little cool party club on sunday that's awesome like, so what, what type of music uh, i didn't find that type of research so uh, shame on me what type of music are you uh, are you are you doing exactly uh, mostly dance and EDM right now. Nice. Yeah, awesome. so it's been fun. But, you know, honestly, the work stuff keeps me busy and I still love my work enough where I think I want to stick with uh, with that for a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you do pretty, pretty well. But if, if, if anything ever happens, you have the career of DJ. So I respect that. Thanks. <laughs> so uh, here we're talking today a little bit about core principles. Um, we want to talk about how to discover those core principles. But in... From my experience, at least, you don't just start off and wake up one day as in order to kind of have your life and your purpose and your principles kind of figured out. So can you tell us a little bit more about the journey and how you inevitably discovered what your core principles are? Yeah, well, uh, I actually didn't have any when I first started. Uh, So um, you're right. It's totally a journey. So just for some quick context, I started my business uh, in Dinero about 10 years ago. Uh, It's an accounting tax software business. We help businesses with their accounting and their finances and their back office. And uh, I came at this from a computer scientist background, right? Like I was programming since I was a kid. And so I had a fairly mechanical way of thinking about everything. So values, principles, uh, you know, affirmations, like all this stuff felt really wishy-washy to me. and I'm like, all right, I don't really need principles. I'm just going to, I'm just going to slam away at my work and you know, whatever. Right. And as time has gone by, I've actually taken uh, principles. So not just core values for the business, which we absolutely have. And I think that is now a standard best practice that everyone does, whether or not they believe in it or not. But I've also uh, taken a ton of time and energy to craft personal, personal principles that I stand by and actually look at uh, every single morning when I wake up. Like first thing I wake up, I go through my personal principles and I go through a whole uh, comprehensive list of everything that I want to manifest in my life. And what's striking to me is every time I stare at my principles, I realize that uh, there's a very high chance that I'm not following at least one of them at any given time. And, uh, you know, for a while I thought, wow, I'm really, maybe I'm just not, uh, maybe I'm not that good. Or maybe like, why, why am I so unable to follow my own principles? Mm -hmm. But I think what's been a great learning experience for me is that if, you know, 
um, as, at least for myself, I picked out principles and I, I want to go through that and be hyper specific about what they are yeah. um, in a minute here. Uh, but before I do, I, I wanted to pick principles that stretch me outside my comfort zone and that are things that I want to aspire to, but are things that I'm not necessarily a hundred thousand percent doing today. Cause if I pick core values or principles, like, you know, like personal ones, at least that are like, be nice, have integrity. It's like, all right, well, duh, they're all, uh, these are table stakes principles here, right? But how about things that are like not obvious, non-obvious, where it actually helps to have them be clearly stated and written down and articulated. Uh, so that's kind of how I approach that with personal principles. And then also from a business perspective with the uh, company core values. Mm. So um, anyway, happy to dive in any direction you would like, but hopefully that's a good starting point for the conversation. No, absolutely. It is. Something that, and I want to get into each one very briefly, but a question that comes up into my head is, are your business principles the same or are, yeah, are your business principles the same as your personal principles? And if, and is it okay if they aren't actually the exact same thing? Yeah, well, I think that it's, it's important that they be different, to be honest, uh, because like company core values are, you know, it's, it's for a business and personal. It's like, well, your personal life, it goes far beyond just your business. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think it's actually great to have them be compliment, uh, complimenting each other, not, not overlapping per se. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into it. If, if you feel comfortable talking a little bit about them, um, you know, what I they do. are and, and I guess, uh, as much detail as you'd like, but actually hold on, another question that pops in when you, when you wake up, when you wake up, you see, you look at these, when you wake up, like, are you writing them down or are they more so on a piece of paper or? Yeah, they're on my Evernote. So I have this Evernote page that's titled life game plan slash manifestations. <laughs> and, uh, on the top, the first sentence says, uh, wake up with purpose. You're here to serve others and change the world. Mm. Um, and uh, my theme for the year. So every year, instead of having a New Year's resolution, like lose weight, work out more, eat better, like, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm like, that's, I mean, you should be working out like a champion and eating, uh, you know, like you're a world-class performer every day anyway. So that's table stakes for me. I don't do stuff like that. And I think people who are like world-class entrepreneurs are not going to create uh, New Year's resolutions like that. So I'm like, all right, well, what should I do then? So I do a theme and this year's theme is, uh, what would I attempt to do if I could not fail? Uh, so I stare at that and then below that I have my principles. So, um, principle number one is live in the present. Hmm. And I think living in the present is a important core, uh, principle for me because, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, we're so busy living in the future. Like, oh my God, what if, what if I try to recruit this team member and they say no? What if I pitch that investor and they say no? What if my business goes bankrupt? What if my product launch doesn't succeed? You know, what if, uh, you know, there's so many what ifs and we're always living in the future and it's never necessarily a good future. <laughs> At least for me, it's 80% bad, 20% good when I'm uh, forecasting out. So I think that's a really important one for me at least. And I think for entrepreneurs, it's, it's uh, really powerful. So that's one. Uh, principle number two, um, commit through tough times. And what that means is uh, anyone I'm having interpersonal issues with, 
uh, like I'm fighting with a friend or a coworker or an executive, you know, I commit to manifesting an optimal outcome and relationship with that person instead of feeling the immediate need to run away or cut them out of my life. Mm -hmm. um, or if they're, you know, working for me, fire them. Like I want to commit through a tough time and try to make it work. And I think old original entrepreneur me was like, all right, like they're not perfect, fire them. And, uh, you know, that's not really how I want to be a leader. That's not how I want to show up as a CEO. So, you know, and I was having some struggles in my personal life. You know, um, one of my best, best, best friends, she and I had a fight. I cut her out of my life. And then um, I realized that, you know, even though, uh, you know, we fought about something where I thought she was, you know, not the better friend. Well, I wasn't great either by cutting her out and not trying to work it through. Right. So that's a really important principle for me. And I know some of the stuff might seem obvious at first glance, but when you really dig beneath the surface, these are things that I do a little bit, but want to be a hundred percent at. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but definitely the importance of being self-aware, I think is incredibly valuable. Definitely shows in, in your story. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, and, and also, uh, you know, these principles have evolved. Like I had a different set a year ago and then I'm, and then I worked on that for a year and I'm like, eh, this is all table stakes. So I, I evolved my principles probably at least once annually. Yeah. I might cut out one or replace two uh, or just like tweak it a bit or say, you know, I'm doing okay here, but not doing okay there. Um, so uh, principle number three is think a hundred X. Mm -hmm. And what that means is I give myself permission to dream even bigger in all categories of my life without thinking about constraints up front. So with my business, you know, I want in dinero to not just have 200 employees and tens of millions in revenue. I want the company to be so much bigger than that and not just serve a thousand business owners, but I want to serve a hundred thousand business owners, literally a hundred X, right? Like I want to make lives better for a hundred thousand entrepreneurs who hate dealing with their finances. And, uh, that, that seems like what, like that's, you know, for, for me to think hundred X means I want to have billions in revenue, right? Like that's, and, uh, I don't easily do that actually, which is kind of weird to admit as an entrepreneur. And I think it's easy to think really big when you're starting from scratch and have nothing to lose. But now that I feel like I have a lot to lose, I've been thinking smaller and I've been acting uh, with the mindset of how do I not fail rather than what can I do to succeed? Mm -hmm. I think that's a very common, uh, common phenomenon that, that affects uh, semi-successful entrepreneurs. Well, yeah. I mean, do you mind if I, if I uh, cut, cut in while you continue Absolutely. talking about the other, uh, the other stuff? I mean, obviously you have a lot more to lose because you have people's jobs and lives at, at hand. Um, but I, I, I'm kind of curious, like this, this mentality, um, what were you like in the beginning when you started to like what you are today? I mean, do you feel like there's like a, a huge comparison to, cause I guess the thought that I have is what got you to that point of success? Is it going to get you to that 100 X, right? So you kind of have to shed your skin as much as you possibly can. So like, was there a lot of really hard conversations that you had with yourself? Was it with like you and your team, like your executive team, your co-founding team, or was it more so like a lot of self-reflection of, of like you as a human being, you looking yourself in the mirror? 
Um, absolutely both, but I think it starts with me looking in the mirror yeah. and helping myself first um, and getting my mindset to 100x. Because once my mindset's at 100x, once I'm thinking about all the things that we need to change in my life and from me as a CEO, then it kind of trickles down from there and everything else kind of falls into place naturally. And yeah. that might mean working with the current leadership team and having them step up their game and giving them that, you know, football coach pep talk, so to speak. <laughs> and some of it might mean that they're not right and they're going to transition out. Um, like as of right now, as we're recording this, I've got one executive who's been amazing, incredible executive, has helped us so much over the past two and a half years. And they're not right for the next part of the journey. And so we're working on transitioning that person out. And meanwhile, the other people, I gave them a really big pep talk yesterday. I'm like, all right, eat. I, I called each one and I said, you know, we're really stepping up our game here, guys. Like I want each and every one of you to have stellar lieutenants, like A++ lieutenants all across the board. Mm -hmm. Because if you have a mediocre team, then you're not going to uh, be better than mediocre yourself. Yeah. And uh, I mean, all this is obvious, but it's like just the yeah. of it. Well, I actually, that leads to an, an, of, 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 a, of a thought. And, and this is something that like, I've uh, thought about too. Like my first reaction when it comes to getting people to do something um, as a leader is like a very motivational aspect of it. But I guess I'm realizing, you know, as, as I'm growing that the motivational ideology isn't always going to work all the time. So do you have some strategies and tactics that you, that you use as just like a, a growing professional in order to, I guess, get your team to buy into all of the ideas and all the things that you want to do in order to move the business forward. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, like if I had to break it down for, uh, for, so for example, um, I had an executive who wasn't really leveling up their team or moving as fast as I needed them to move. Right. Mm -hmm. And I wanted them to be, uh, be doing that. Right. And so I told this person, I mean, let's call, Let's call him Jack. Um, so I called Jack. I'm like, hey, Jack. Uh, and then I try to get him, motivate him and say, hey, like, this will be great. You should do it. And he's like, yeah, 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 I'll think about it, right? And of course, I'll think about it from a team member means it probably won't get done for a while, <laughs> as mm. you know, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I, I hate those words. And so I went back to the drawing board. I called my executive coach and I said, hey, what should I do about this? And and through this process, I really learned that, um, you know, before I have that type of a more important forceful talk where I'm kind of insisting on a, on a paradigm shift or performance shift, um, I try to actually have the full conversation and role play it out uh, by myself before I do it. Mm. And the most important thing is what I believe, how I believe they will react and what tone I'm using in that role play. So here I kind of assumed in my role play, okay, this guy's going to be super excited about it, but why is he excited about it? Oh, he's excited about it because I told him that I believe in his greatness and this is the next frontier of his self-development and I'm going to support him on that journey and I have his back. Okay, right. cool. Well, if I say that, then that's better than motivating him with the other pep talk I gave. Right, and sure. And uh, I'm, I'm not sure if that's exactly what you asked about, but that's just kind of how I've thought about about this recently. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a great 
It's definitely a great insight for sure. Um, it's always curious because like uh, understanding your people is obviously so incredibly important and, and obviously you do an amazing job at that. Um, but what are like, what are some other uh, principles that you have when it comes to uh, just like the foundation as to who, who you are? Uh, well, this is actually a great segue into principle number four for me, which says uh, practice compassionate leadership. Hmm put myself in the shoes of my team members and executives, see things from their perspective, show them that I care about them rather than stuffing their face with how things need to be done because that's the vision for my business. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, honestly, I've really sucked at this one. I'm going to be really candid. <laughs> I mean, I've been, I've been in the CEO role for uh, over nine years and I've been probably a C minus CEO for most of it. And I'm not afraid to admit that if anything, I'm scared of the people who think that they're a plus CEOs and uh, aren't looking in the mirror and really being uh, objective. And uh, you know, I think that I think I haven't done great. And I think it's because I haven't, you know, really put myself in their shoes and really cared about them. It's all been about me and my goals. And if I want to hit my, you know, customer or impact or satisfaction or revenue goals, whatever it may be, it's like, all right, I need everyone to do that or my goals are screwed. So it's all about me and my goals versus how do I help them in their personal journey in their life, mm -hmm. knowing that work and business is only one dimension of their overall life. Mm. Now, so when, at, at what point in time do you have to give, give, give to your team, to your company versus then spending that time back on yourself? Um, so like how much time do I spend working on yeah, helping like them improve? Yeah, exactly. Like, like, um, there's always times where like, there's always going to be that, that need to help this person on their journey and seeing them through. But obviously you have a ton of people that you talk to on a routine basis and you manage. Um, but there has to be a time where you just say, you know what, like I, I actually can't focus. I'm hitting my threshold. And I need to pull back just a little bit in order to focus on, on me and my goals. And I guess like, what is that, what is that threshold for you? And like, when is that moment where you're just like, oh my gosh, like I need to, I'm, I'm being too stressed out or I'm, I'm too this, I'm too that. I need to, I need to start focusing and reeling in on, on what, what's important to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, the good news for me is that I get time to do that reflection every morning. Yeah. Uh, at least and so why you do this in the first place. Yeah. So like, I mean, reviewing this life game plan document I've been telling you about, uh, I call it uh, miracle morning. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's actually a book about it, uh, that really inspired me, um, called miracle morning. And, um, have you heard of it? I haven't, but it's definitely going to be, uh, shown in, it's going to be put into the show notes for people to, uh, to read about it. So absolutely. Yeah. And that's been awesome. And I actually have a girlfriend who runs a really popular, uh, uh, app um, online, and she and I just hold each other accountable to doing this every day. Nice. And, uh, so anyway, so I mean, I really do this reflection daily, but um, I don't overwhelm my calendar the way I used to. Like before, I'd be packed every single hour, two weeks ahead of time, and now I really try to have a lot of free room so that I can sync up with people and help talk to them or coach them on demand. Um, which is far better and allows me to be true to what I need, but also support people when I have bandwidth. Um, 
And on top of that, what I've been really thinking a lot about is coaching and giving people, every executive advice, advising and coaching from a third party who's not me. Because hmm. I'm not the best sales coach or I'm not the best customer success coach, right? Um, and uh, how do I get those coaches for my leaders or my CFO? He's got a CFO coach, right? Another CFO of a much larger company advising him. Hmm. And uh, my VP of people, I found a, you know, a chief people officer who's advised dozens of chief people officers and VP of people when she was in private equity. Like, and so that also takes a ton of burden off of me um, and uh, kind of fits into the practice compassionate leadership principle I have, which is yeah. how do I really support my team members to make them grow and succeed? So it's not just all about me. So, you know, it really, by thinking about this, it really does change my behavior in small ways that add up big time. Was there a, a point of stubbornness in the beginning of, uh, I guess, of, of creating this when you didn't necessarily have a coach? And I guess like, when did you realize that, Hey, this is much bigger than, this is much bigger than me. I need to, I need to, I need help. Um, I started to, uh, really reflect on this starting maybe five years ago. So I started with a coach back then and I, I usually work with a new coach every, you know, one or two years, mm -hmm. um, probably 18 months on average. So I've been through a few coaches and then it dawned on me, why not find a coach for all my team members? And I was really inspired by this book that just came out called Trillion Dollar Coach. Hmm. And uh, Trillion Dollar Coach talks about uh, Coach uh, Campbell. And he uh, coached Steve Jobs. Uh, he coached the CEO and founders of Google and a ton of other prominent Silicon Valley executives. And, and uh, yeah, the book talks about how he was a really important coach for the key executives at these companies too, not just the CEO. And that, that kind of got me on this, uh, this self-development for all bandwagon. Yeah, that's great. Well, tell us a little bit, uh, how, many, uh, how many in total uh, reflection points do you have on your, for your morning? Oh, okay. Well, there's, there's uh, one more principle, a fifth one. It, it's just really quick. It's live in abundance, not in scarcity. Uh, so it's just think about how much time I have. Mm. Think about how many friends I have, how much love I have, um, and uh, how much freedom I have. Because it's so easy to think, oh, man, I don't have enough friends, or I don't have enough love, or I don't have enough time. I'm so busy. I'm so time constrained. But if instead, I think, wow, I have a ton of time. I'm just, you know, spending it on stupid stuff that I can move around. <laughs> then, uh, then now all of a sudden I, I feel a lot better. Yeah. Uh, that's and huge. it changes the way I act too. I, I have so much respect for your self-awareness and your level of just understanding who you are and, and how you can grow. Um, and so thank you so much for, for all of that. When, Thanks. when you talk about time, I, Again, this is more so like a personal question, if anything else, but I'm sure it could help a lot of other people that are listening. But like when you're going through your time, like how do you know whether or not that something is, is actually going to be valuable in the future? Um, I mean, I think it's really hard to know. So yeah. that's why I'm more about real time and living in the present, which is uh, going back to core value principle number one. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> very true, uh, very true. Like you and I booking this, like I kept this, but like 
pretty much everything else I have on my calendar for the next two weeks is more spontaneous. Mm. Um, and I like don't like to book out more than a week ahead of time. And it drives some people nuts. But honestly, most people are totally cool with it and uh, has been really life changing. Oh, wait. So you don't book your, your schedule out for at least a, a week in advance? Yeah. Like right now I'm booked only through Tuesday and today is Friday. So Wednesday <laughs> is free. Thursday is mostly free and Friday is mostly free. And the entire week after that's completely free. <laughs> so that's cool. Now there's uh, some articles uh, again, ri- written about you in, in interviews and things like that um, about reading and how important reading is. Um, the article that I read in particular was mentioning that you read about two books a week. You already mentioned two books already in the conversation. Um, how important is reading to, to you and, and to, to the success of Indonero? I'm a, I'm a big fan. I mean, I, I try to read at least a book a week. Uh, and at one point I was reading two books a week, but I've kind of dialed that back a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I send all these book recs out to my friends and my executives and uh, it really changes the way I think about life, business and the world. So um, I, think it's, I think it's just as important, if not more important than exercise and showering. Um, if you think about it that way, then you'll actually read. Um, but a lot of people like just think about it as a hobby, not really like working out or on that level of uh, importance. So. Yeah. I mean, I think it's incredibly valuable to read a book and be able to, you don't even have to read every word, but just the fact that you're able to read a chapter and get an idea and then be able to implement that idea directly into your life, I think is like, it's well worth every $15, $20 that you spend on buying the book. Oh yeah, for sure. What would be some of the books that you've, I mean, I'm sure there are tons and hundreds. Again, you already mentioned Miracle Morning, tr- Trillionaire, Trillion Dollar, trillion dollar Coach. Yeah, Trillion Dollar Coach, sorry. Um, is there any other essentials that you think that we have, that we should have? And has that, has that list expanded? Like, do you remember the book that you, the books that you read in the very beginning of Indonero 10 years ago versus the books that you're reading now? And do they have the same impact? Um, the books have more impact now than they had when I first started. Yeah. So actually I've gone back and reread a lot of the books I read many years ago. Hmm. Um, like five dysfunctions of a team, um, is a very, very famous, you know, leadership fable, uh, hmm. that talks about, you know, how to get your executive team culture to a really, you know, top tier level. And I read it once five years ago and it was okay back then. It wasn't as actionable. Now it's, it's been extremely helpful for me and my team. Um, another book that I've read three times, uh, Principles by Ray Dalio. Yeah. Um, I discovered this book five years ago before it was in print. Um, I was actually at the Bridgewater uh, office giving a talk to Bridgewater and I saw Principles uh, just printed and given out to employees. So they gave me a copy. I read it. I'm like, Oh my God, this is like the best <laughs> book I've ever read. Yeah. It's huge. And now it's in print and now it's a bestseller of course. But, uh, at the time I felt special. Uh, <laughs> I would too. I mean, it's a, it's a great book. It's, it's definitely impacted my life, uh, for sure. Um, as, as we, we wind down, wind down, excuse me, uh, a little bit of the conversation. I think I'd be, remiss if I, if I didn't talk a little bit about money since there is a, such a huge part, portion of your career in handling people's money. 
um, and helping people in such like a, a very integral part in, in their business life. And something that I thought was incredibly uh, valuable is your take on funding and the journey that you had and the mistakes that you've made. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about those and, and your candidness around surrounding that idea? Yeah, I feel like I made so many uh, mistakes, but I made way fewer mistakes than most of my peers. Uh, <laughs> I've like, called so many people to ask for advice on funding and, and you know, being in the accounting and tax business. You know, we have a ton of very sophisticated tax people and accounting people working for me. So, you know, we've been pretty good about that. But, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, some of the mistakes I made on the funding front, um, I think are actually really psychological more than anything. Mm -hmm. um, like really um, believing that, like, like uh, for example, I think all entrepreneurs have very ambitious goals for their businesses. And so when we raise money, we raise money thinking, all right, I'll have two years of runway or 18 months of runway. And it ends up being half of what we expected because revenue numbers don't pick up or something. And not leaving ourselves with an out, I think is really a big mistake. And you know, if you study companies like uh, Google or other Fortune 500 companies, they have a ton of contractors that they could phase in or out at any given time, depending on how well they perform that quarter so that they could hit their quarterly numbers, right? Their quarterly mm -hmm. profit numbers. That's genius, right? You can't just fire people that easily though without there being dramatic culture consequences. So yeah. giving yourself an out, uh, that's something that as a startup, I had not thought a lot about until recently. Now that, you know, I really care about, you know, uh, being on track with my goals and being responsible financially. Um, and uh, honestly, not having great financial help earlier um, in my business. So, um, you know, obviously accounting and tax really strong there, but also having a CFO early on in my business has been really, uh, really helpful to have a good one in place. And I wish yeah. I hired that person a lot earlier. Yeah. And I could go on and on for hours. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'd say, you know, people could always reach out to me and email me. And I'm, I'm always happy to help, help, uh, talk to people about anything. Yeah, absolutely. And before I get into the last question, I think, um, and, and we're, we're not a, a cash flow, uh, we're a cash flow positive business. So we've never actually, we don't even need funding and we don't, we're not asking for it, but I can imagine that in order to, to, to get it, it it's a rat race. And, you know, was there a lot of stress trying to find the right partners in order to make sure that they're the right fit in, from a culture standpoint and from a business standpoint when you were initially trying to find funding? Yeah. Well, at first it wasn't as hard for me in a weird way because we had, uh, we didn't have numbers so we could just pitch the dream. Yeah. And, uh, and people just wanted to fund us based off of their hope that I would find a way to make money for the business and for the investors. And now that we're much bigger, that, that would be a lot harder to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, having people who would not be annoying and who reference check really well, I think is uh, something that I took fairly seriously uh, day one. Like I always referenced every investor uh, to the cleaners just to make sure that it'd be a good fit <laughs> and have for the most part done a very good job. I mean, I have one incredibly annoying investor who I think is the worst person on the planet. But outside of that one person, 
everyone else is incredible, supportive, amazing. And, uh, you know, I think, I think, uh, overall I, I give myself a B minus on that. Nice. <laughs> I love your, your, your like no BS, uh, approach. It's very refreshing. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. So there's, um, one question I, I just thought was really interesting. Um, it was t- talking about your personal finances and it was something on lines that you spend around a thousand dollars for your personal expenses and invest around 90, I think it was like 99.5% is kind of just like given through investment opportunities and things like that. And I, I wanted to know, I think the article was written a, a decent amount of number of years ago, but I wanted to know, you know, is that, is that still relatively true and in, in how are you able to just like control the personal finance game or excuse me, personal finance game? Um, as you know, again, a leader of a 200 plus person company. Yeah. Well, for me, I'll be clear, uh, 99% of my net worth is tied up in Indonero. So there's not a whole lot I have to do for that. <laughs> and then whatever else is outside of that. I mean, I really try to lead a relatively frugal lifestyle. I mean, I live in a really cute cottage, uh, you know, that doesn't cost a lot of money. And, you know, uh, yeah, I do fly private a lot, but, you know, I find ways to do it for cheap. So it doesn't add up to a lot. Uh, I guess yeah. that's not really frugal. I, I feel really weird about saying that now. But the point is, uh, for the most part, like, I really, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going crazy with, with my personal money that, um, you know, I, I'd rather just invest you know, the vast majority of it, if I can. Was that like instilled, ingrained in you as like a, as a young, as a young kid of just like that humble approach in that. And I think frugal is actually a really good thing. And I love being, I'm frugal myself. I'm like very, very frugal. Uh, I love being able to get the best deals on the planet and it still holds true. Even though I probably could, I can't afford it. But like, was that something that was ingrained in you as a young child that kind of passed over? Or is this something that's relatively new to you as like a growing professional like yourself? Yeah. Well, my parents are immigrants, so they kind of have that. And uh, honestly, I think a lot of this is driven out of fear, not out of strategy. Mm -hmm. So I have a fear that I will have no money and I will be living on ramen noodles and sleeping on the floor of a friend's Mm -hmm. apartment. So I might as well stay used to that lifestyle. Mm. So that way I don't get too comfortable. Yeah. And uh, I think for a while that's fairly easy to do. Uh, the challenge is, uh, you know, the rule of you, you're going to be the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, the five people you spend the most time with are people who are worth hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars, right? Uh, they, usually don't have frugal lifestyles. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they do. Well, yeah, absolutely. And so then now I'm actively facing this phenomenon. So this is not a problem I've solved, but it's an active uh, thought process. I'm, ra- um, I'm racking my mind around is how do I reconcile that? And my current hypothesis is to tell my friends, hey, I am still looking to lead a frugal lifestyle. And so I don't want to spend too much on stuff. I want to eat at hole in the wall restaurants. Um, <laughs> and in a few times we do fly private together, we're all going to split it. Mm. And, uh, you know, so I try to set grand rules with my close friends 
and all of them are supportive. They're all like, that sounds amazing. Really love that thought process. And, uh, and it works and it keeps, it keeps everyone uh, aligned and, you know, doesn't make things awkward. So that's, that's how I've solved for that uh, today. I think if you start that trend early on, right. <laughs> and then they have the expectation, your friends and, and everybody else has that expectation of this is the ground rules that you've said, they have to respect it. So even, even if you did want to ball out a little bit, then it, they would know that it's, it's more of a rarity than anything else. Right. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. um, I think that's, that's, that's the key. I mean, just being honest and objective about everything, like our conversation, I've really tried to be honest and, say, Hey, here's where I suck. Here's what's not great. Here's how I honestly feel. And just approaching my entire life with that attitude, frankly, makes life a billion times easier. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm not going to sit here and and say that you don't suck because I am very, uh, very similar in the aspect of you where I am incredibly hard on myself. And I know when people say, no, no, it's okay. You're, you're so good. And I'm just like, shut up. Uh, I'm not, I'm not that at all, but I do want to at least let you know that as we close this conversation, that you are an absolute inspiration to, to myself and I'm sure hundreds and thousands of people out there that are listening. So thank you so much, Jess, for your time. Um, if people wanted to learn a little bit more about you, be a part of your journey, read your story, um, become a customer, how can they go about doing that? Yeah, well, um, my company website is indinero.com, I-N-D-I-N-E-R-O, and uh, yeah, feel free to follow me on Instagram, uh, Just Ma, uh Official, and just send me a DM on Instagram or send me an email at CEO at com. If there's any way I could help you out or support you in, in your mission, I'd be more than happy to help. You've been listening to Blind Entrepreneurship brought to you by Penji. Our guest this week was Jess Ma. All right, listeners, I'm saying a worldwide challenge because of Jess's love for reading. Uh, I'd love for you to go out and just uh, pick up a new book or pick up an existing book that you've been thinking about reading, uh, but have been just keep putting it down. For me, it's been uh, Blitzscaling by the uh, founder of uh, of LinkedIn. It's been on my list of things I've been wanting to read more of, and I'll definitely be grabbing it this weekend. Um, If you want to learn a little bit more about Jess, you can just head over to indeniro.com and that's going to be linked in the show notes. And if you want to buy some of the books that Jess mentioned, there are a couple of them. Uh, One of them was uh, Miracle Morning, Trillionaire Trillion Dollar Coach, and Principles by Ray Dalio. As for us here at Penji, if you need an on-demand graphic design solution for your business starting at $369 a month, you can head over to penji.co. And feel free to drop a comment on this week's episode at tbeshow.com. Share it with a friend. It's the only way that we can cure blindness in business. Go out there and execute your vision, everybody. Have a great rest of your day.